This is an AMI podcast. Are you ready? No. Let's go. From AMI Central. Now circling in the neutral zone. Here's the pitch on the way. 36 yards for the win. This. Here comes a big chance. The shot is. Is this the tagger? The neutral zone. Rock Richardson. What's going on, friends? It's time for another edition of the Neutral Zone. I am indeed your host, Brock Richardson, and I am really, really looking forward to this weekend. And for those of you that, and so we're all gonna get the opportunity to uh, have a little rest and relaxation. There will be no live programming on Monday in observance of the holiday. So we are the bookend of the programming for this week. Uh, joining me today is Cam Jenkins. Cameron, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, Brock. Thanks for asking. It's uh, yeah, it's been a pretty good week. Um, yeah, one thing that I kind of was doing this week or started this week is a, a course called the uh, Comfortable Race Conversation Process, and it's uh, through uh, Natalie Haynes Consulting. So. Um, they're just talking about, you know, race and racism and how to have those uh, uncomfortable conversations with people to try to take the stigma away. So I um, was really enjoying that uh, course on Wednesday. And as always, looking forward to talking sports today. Yes, it's always good to l- learn and, and grow as human beings and things that we we aren't necessarily, you know, as comfortable with. So. It sounded pretty cool when you and I were chatting on Wednesday and, and you kind of gave me a little bit of insight, so I'm glad it went well. And also joining us is Josh Watson. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well, Brock. It's been a bit of a crazy day, but overall, a pretty good week. Uh, getting ready as soon as the show's done to head to Windsor for the Johnny Loring Classic, a track and field meet in beautiful Windsor, Ontario. And uh, looking forward to a nice competition there tomorrow and then uh, have a couple of days off to rest and recuperate, as they say. Yes, always good to rest and recuperate. I I did an event like eons ago, like when I was under 10, I would say. And it was called the Windsor Indoor Classic Games back then. And I always liked Windsor. I thought Windsor was kind of... uh, Kind of a cool place to go, although I was talking to somebody today, telling them we were talking about Windsor, and and the person said to me, the problem with doing a drive to Windsor is that there's not much to look at. It's pretty well roads and roads (laughs) and roads and roads. So I I hope that your drive goes well, Uh, but the person I was chatting with today was just like, yeah, I don't think I'd want to do the drive because it's just roads and roads and roads. So. Well, and it's very straight, unfortunately, which is another problem. But uh, yeah, roads and farmland and not much else. So good thing I'm going with a friend and we're going to keep each other company for the drive and go from there. Turn on some good music. I do hope during the ride as well. And of course, good conversation. Well, let's jump in. Let's jump into our conversation and get into this week's headlines. The organization overseeing soccer in the U.S. has become the first national governing body in the sport to agree to pay men and women equally. Cherry Preston gives us more. 
After a long legal fight, the U.S. Soccer Federation has reached agreement with both its men's and women's teams to pay players the same amount of money. The Federation announcing separate collective bargaining agreements that will settle years of disputes over the equalization of pay and bonuses between the two teams. One of the main sticking points was World Cup prize money. Under the deal, the unions agreed to pool FIFA's payments for the men's World Cup later this year, the women's World Cup next year, and the 2026 and 2027 tournaments. The Phoenix Coyotes will now play their home games at the Arizona State Arena. However, the team is not permitted to make any modifications to the ice surface, including changing the logo to their own. I have to tell you, this is one of the biggest and most bizarre things I've seen. It's bizarre, the whole process, that they're not able to play in their arena but then it's bizarre that they're playing in a university and they cannot change their logo. To me, this is, speaks nothing more than Mickey Mouse. And if we're not going to respect the Phoenix Coyotes as an organization, why don't we just move them? Canadian Peter DeBoer has been relieved of his duties as the Vegas Golden Knights head coach. DeBoer spent two seasons behind the bench with a record of 98, 50, and 12. This was a bit of a surprise for me because Vegas has been a very good team, generally speaking. I certainly think that DeBoer will find another job in the NHL. He is an excellent coach. But uh, yeah, very, very interesting to see him shown the door. And uh, thankfully, this time we didn't see him have to catch an Uber like we did the previous head coach. No kidding. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Let's uh, check in on our Twitter polls. Those are our headlines for this week. Last week's question was, as a Canadian fan base headed into Game 7, how are you feeling? 67% of you said slightly nervous. 33% of you said panicked and nobody said not nervous at all which is no surprise to me uh if we're looking at the uh battle of alberta who do you believe will win the battle of alberta in the nhl stanley cup playoffs calgary or edmonton are your two choices you can cast your votes at our twitter handle which will be given out in a bit on the program coming up next we're going to speak with parasport tv creator nico cartarelli about the Parasport Games in Mississauga. He had a chance to commentate the Fledge Hockey or Para Ice Hockey program. We'll chat with him about his impressions next on The Neutral Zone. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Neutral Zone AMI broadcast booth. And we are set to get this ball game underway. The first pitch brought to you by Brock Richardson's Twitter account at NeutralZoneBR. First pitch, strike. And hey, gang, why not strike up a Twitter chat with Claire Buchanan for the Neutral Zone? Find her at NeutralZoneCB. And there's a swing and a chopper out to second base. Right at Claire, she picks up the ball, throws it over to first base for a routine out. And fans, there is nothing routine about connecting with Cam and Josh from the Neutral Zone. At Neutral Zone, Cam J and at J Watson 200. Now that's a winning combination. And this Oregon interlude is brought to you by AMI-audio on Twitter. Get in touch with the Neutral Zone. Type in at AMI-audio. 
Welcome back to the Neutral Zone right here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, alongside Cam Jenkins and Josh Watson as we are attempting to kick off your long weekend. But before we do that, we have lots of content to cover, including Nico Cardarelli, who joins us from Mississauga, Ontario, and is here to talk about the past weekend's Ontario Parasport Games. Nico, nice to have you back with us. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thank you for having me here. Nico, can we start off by just talking a little bit about the process you use to decide which events it is you're going to cover with Parasport TV and how you coordinate all of that with the organizers? Uh, yeah, you know, I think that's a great question. I don't, you know, I wouldn't think there's um, a specific method I take choosing the event. Uh, I think the biggest factors in determining whether Parasport TV can cover an event are the technical specs of a venue. So if it's a venue where we're able to accommodate the broadcast, then um, and obviously it's a Parasport-based event, we're happy to work with the organizers in terms of facilitating a live stream broadcast. And, um, you know, when, when you look at some of the events we've covered, especially the Ontario Para Games. I mean, this was our third uh, edition of covering the Para Games, and and it's always been a, a tremendous success. So, um, you know, we're always excited to work with new PSOs and NSOs and different parasport organizations in order to provide a little more spotlight on the amazing work that they're doing. And Nico, uh, can you maybe tell the listeners uh, why you chose to do the event of para ice hockey during the Parasport Games? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've had a working relationship with the Ontario Sledge Hockey Association for a few years now. And, um, you know, we, we really value that partnership between Parasport TV and OSHA. They're an incredible partner. And, um, you know, there's a lot of leadership there in terms of their, their overall vision and how they do business. And, um, you know, for us approaching OSHA and, and really, I mean, it's gone to the point now where we don't have to approach them. They come to us and say, you know, we've got these events, here's our budget. What can we do? And, you know, we cater a, a broadcast specifically for them. And, um, you know, when they approached us about the 2022 Ontario Bear sport games, um, you know, it, it was just a natural fit and we were happy to accommodate that. And, um, you know, to be able to stream seven of 12 games over the weekend and, and provide the kind of coverage that, you know, an event like that deserves. And, and unfortunately, sometimes lacks. We, we were very proud to be able to facilitate that broadcast. We're joined by Nico Cardarelli, who is the creator and primarily the commentator of Parasports TV. And we're here today talking about the Ontario Parasport Games that took place in Mississauga this past weekend. I'm joined by Josh Watson and Cam Jenkins. And of course, I'm your host, Brock Richardson. Nico, could you chat with us a little bit about some of the preliminary games that uh, were broadcast? Yeah, so there were five teams playing in the tournament this year, and um, it was a really strong field in terms of of the quality of competition. Uh, You know, the five teams across the field were uh, Markham, Niagara, 
uh, Almvale, uh, North Bay, and oh, geez, I'm blanking on the last one now. But um, Cruisers, uh, you know, the, the actual games were just phenomenal, phenomenal hockey. It was truly um, an incredible tournament. And one of the neat things about this particular edition of the uh, Ontario Pair Games is that um, a lot of the national team players that would normally be playing in these tournaments they weren't actually uh, available because, of course, the, na- the Sledge Nationals are coming up this weekend in Leduc. So um, a lot of the big household names that people might be familiar with, they weren't actually playing in this tournament. And I think the exciting thing there was uh, we got to know a lot of new players and a lot of guys and gals had the opportunity to make a name for themselves. And, and they really didn't disappoint. I mean, it was truly incredible whether it was um, you know, some of the players on the Bears, like Chad Stopa and uh, Xander Hart, he scored a natural hat-trick and had one of the goals of the tournament. I mean, it was just phenomenal hockey all around from all the teams. And I think all the participants should be especially proud of, of the performance they put on. And, um, you know, obviously the, the, the preliminary round was contested and only four of the five teams had the chance to play in the medal games. But, um, you know, when it was all said and done, just a truly phenomenal tournament and as always the you know sledge hockey para hockey is one of the um most popular events at the pair games and, and this year again it did not disappoint in that regard yeah and you did a really good job broadcasting it as well nico so kudos to you for that um we kind of want to talk about the medal rounds um can you maybe talk a little bit about that bronze medal game that was between niagara and north bay yeah, you know, that was a really gutsy game, and that was a tough one. It, it, You know, there was a little bit of um, uncertainty in terms of which teams would get into the medal round. And, uh, you know, that, that bronze medal game, North Bay just squeaked in to the bronze medal game with a 3-3 tie against Markham the night before. So um, it, it was really an interesting one, and it was, it was a back fair you know, it was a tough tournament for Niagara because they were a little bit short-handed. Some of the um, big players that they had for them throughout the season, guys like Chris Garner and, and Chaz Fisher, they weren't available for this particular tournament for a variety of reasons. So Niagara had a really tough, um, just a tough hand dealt to them, frankly. And, and they competed really hard. It was a lot of hockey in a short amount of time. Um, but, you know, North Bay, they're one of the more veteran squads there. A player like Jordan Minow, who really kind of took over, took over the uh, bronze medal game. It, you know, it, it was a, a phenomenal performance by both teams. But um, you know, I guess it wasn't a huge surprise that uh, North Bay were able to take the bronze medal, just given the way the weekend has gone. Now, the gold medal game was between the Mississauga Silver Streaks and the Elmville Bears. What were your mm-hmm. impressions of that game? Yeah, you know, that was a really interesting, entertaining, and phenomenal game for a variety of reasons. And, uh, you know, one of the big factors there was that as the tournament went on, Mississauga started to use uh, a kind of a goalie tandem throughout their games. And um, they established this this relatively unknown goaltender in Chad Watts. And he just played incredibly once he got in, in the crease. And, um, you know, it, it was, again... Elmville had kind of dominated all weekend. They went 4-0 through the round robin. They were basically with an opportunity to finish the weekend a perfect 5-0 if they won the gold medal. And for the majority of that game, I'm telling you, it was a real nail-biter. 
Um, Jake Simmons started the game in goal for Mississauga. He played really well. When he left the game, it was a 3-2 scoreline at the time for Elmville. So he definitely gave his team a chance. Chad Watts came in, and I'm telling you, if not for him, the score probably would have been a five-goal spread in the end because Mississauga, just as that game went on, just kind of ran out of gas and, and didn't have enough to keep pushing. Although, I give them credit, they played to the final whistle, but they just you could see they just fell short. Um, and Elmdale, they just were relentless, wave after wave of attack. It was really a well-played tournament by Elmdale. And, you know, in the end, they, they did finish 5-0. and They got the gold medal, and it was, it was one of the more entertaining games that I've ever called. Um, and it was just really something special for the for the home city Mississauga to be playing in that gold medal game, and uh, even though they lost, to have such a memorable performance. You know, there were probably a couple hundred fans in the stand by by the end of the game, and they were giving Chad just a, a standing ovation for the way he played in gold. It was uh, it was truly an incredible athletic performance by both teams. So, Nico, can you maybe let the listeners know um, a little bit about your company and even more so, what does it take to be able to, uh, you know, go to, as an example, the Parasport Games that you did in Mississauga and what all do you have to do to get set up and to kind of do the tournament and then kind of the takedown uh, of the equipment and such as well? Yeah, so uh, I established, I created Parasport TV back in 2019, and it was with a good friend of mine from the Parasport community and Mark DeMontis. We were just hanging out and just kind of shooting the breeze, and I kind of bounced this idea that I had off of him, and he said, you know, you should go for it. This sounds really great, and, you know, there's going to be an opportunity there, there's a market, all of that, and, and you know, with, with some of his help, I pushed things forward and, you know, it's been a very interesting ride over the past three plus years now. And, um, you know, it's, it's been interesting because when I started things, I was really just a one man band working with a very like basic camcorder that you would buy for 200 bucks at Best Buy. Like I was not working with high tech gear. I was not, I was not doing anything, you know, super professional. I was just getting out there and providing a platform for the Parasport community. Because, again, I just realized it's such an untapped, underserved area of sports that, um, you know, I just wanted to get out there and establish that we're here, we can do this, and we'll build as we go. And over the past few years, the company has really built up incredibly, you know, kind of beyond what I would have expected, frankly, in that, um, you know, we now have a roster of freelancers and interns that we have working for us from some of the biggest broadcast schools across Ontario. And, you know, we've had interns from Ryerson. We've had interns from Humber. We've had interns from Niagara. We get, we get big quality, high-skilled people working with this. And it's really exciting because we've now grown to the point where we have two high-quality ENG broadcast-style cameras. So stuff that, to put in layman's terms, like when you watch TSN or Sportsnet and they're shooting a locker room interview or they're on the street doing an ENG, that's the quality of camera we now use for our broadcast. We have the ability to do a four-camera live broadcast. We can have multiple conferences. We do customized graphics. And, you know, depending on the 
scale of the show that each group wants. We kind of cater the broadcast experience for your event. So, you know, with Paragame specifically, um, they wanted something simple, just a one-camera broadcast, basic graphics. Normally, I would have people working with me for that, but my crew weren't available. So I was actually a complete one-man band this past weekend. I was doing camera, graphics, uh, tacking behind the scenes, doing the play-by-play, kind of running everything by myself. And it can look a little bit silly and a little bit hectic at times, but I think that kind of goes back to the heart of, you know, when when I started this thing. And it's, it's just about being there and having that presence and putting the event out for a global audience. Because I'll tell you the one thing, is every time we put a show on through Parasport TV, we're helping to educate the audience watching because every single time we get comments about, wow, I've never seen this live before, or I didn't know this adaptive version of my favorite sport was available. That's so cool. So we're educating, but we're also raising that exposure and, and giving more legitimacy. So. You know, while it's it's great that we were able to do the sledge hockey event for the Ontario Pair Games, frankly, I want to see it one day where every single event at the Ontario Pair Games was being broadcast because that's the kind of attention pair sports across our province and, and across the country and the whole world deserve. Here, 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 here. So what's next for you on the docket for the for the year for Parasport TV then? So traditionally, summer is a little bit of a slower season for us. We do tend to be a little bit heavier booked through the winter in terms of a lot of adaptive hockey and some uh, blind soccer and some goalball as well. Uh, there are a couple of wheelchair tennis tournaments that we are looking at getting associated with this summer and we're hoping to provide coverage for that. Um, you know, the other aspect is I've since started a full-time career with Ontario soccer doing their digital communications. So it's a bit of a balance that I'm doing these days between my more than nine to five and the passion project of Parasport TV. So for the time being, I'm just ramping things down a little bit. But, um, you know, we are excited to pick things up through the summer in terms of those two possible wheelchair tennis tournaments. And then beyond that, of course, the hockey season will be back upon us so fast. I mean, you know, obviously we're tracking towards the end of May, but we're not that far from September when things start up again inside the rink. So, uh, you know, we're, we're making some big plans ahead for the upcoming hockey season and we've got a couple of special productions that's a couple of special projects um on the works as well you know we've done stuff in the past in collaboration with the hockey news and of course uh with courage hockey and canadian blind hockey and i think there's going to be some opportunities there as well and you know furthermore one of our big clients that has come on with us this year is Ontario soccer and we're providing the live stream broadcast for all the major title events that they're holding. So, um, you know, we may end up doing some Canada summer game streams. We'll probably do some Ontario player development league. And of course we'll be doing Ontario cup. Those aren't specifically para events. They're more able-bodied, but still be able to work with a 
PSO, the largest PSO in the country, the oldest PSO in Ontario soccer. Um, you know, that's that's something we're very proud of and, and we're excited for that. Yeah, sounds you are you are one of the busiest, busiest mans I know. Like I have seen you do some video game calling. I like it's just crazy the amount of stuff you do. And I am so happy to be able to help, you know, push Parasport TV because I was there in the beginning of when Parasport TV was, you know, being talked about. And I'm so proud that it's there. And I'm so proud that the Neutral Zone's here to help shine a light on that. So, Nico, best of luck in all what you continue to do. And I am quite sure we'll have you back on again down the line, especially when we get closer to the Canadian Blind Hockey Championship. I appreciate that, Brock, Cam, and Josh. You guys are everyone at AMI, the neutral zone. You've always been great supporters. And, uh, you know, we appreciate the continued support of what we do with Parasport TV and the opportunity to to collaborate the way we do because you guys are just awesome. And uh, it's great that we can all support each other the way. Likewise, we have felt that very supported by you as well. Thank you so much for taking the time yet again for us. My pleasure, guys. Have a great long weekend. You as well. That was Nico Cardarelli, who is the creator, uh, commentator, and really everything else when need be of Parasport TV, talking to us about the Mississauga Parasport Games that just took place this past weekend. With that, we're going to take a break. Josh and I are going to shed some light on what we did at the Parasport Games, plus then we're going to Get into the Battle of Alberta, which was so wonderful and so much fun to watch. Stay tuned for that and much more on the second half of the Neutral Zone. We'll be right back. If you want to leave a message for the Neutral Zone, call now. 1-866-509-4545. And don't forget to give us permission to use your message on the air. Let's get ready to leave a voicemail. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, alongside Josh Watson and Cam Jenkins. Nico mentioned it a little bit in the interview. I just want to give a little more detail of where you can go to catch the event if you are unsure. The Canadian Para Ice Hockey Championships are taking place this week and in Leduc, Alberta. And you can go to the Canadian... Para Ice Hockey YouTube page to get the live feed. There's uh, games going on all weekend, and uh, it'll be a good opportunity to see the best individuals across the country playing the game of Para Ice Hockey. So check that out uh, over the weekend, and we will come back and cover some results uh, next week and possibly have one of the athletes, if I can swing it uh we'll see how that goes though um so we wanted to spend a little bit of time before we get on to talking about what was a wonderful battle of alberta but we wanted to discuss 
our experience at the Ontario Parasport Games. Uh, Josh and I were both there. Josh was there as an athlete, and I was there as a observer and medal presenter. And uh, Josh, before I get into what I was up to, why don't you tell the audience how your event was? All right. Well, I had the pleasure of competing at the Ontario Parasport Games as a field athlete in the sport of track and field. My specific disciplines, as we talked about last week, are shot put, javelin, and discus. Two of the three events were offered at the Games, and so I was lucky enough to be able to compete in those. Um, overall, it was a great day. We had beautiful weather, which we don't normally at this time of year, but it was just a very well-run event, in my opinion, as an athlete. Uh, I was able to perform better than expected, or at least better than I expected, in one event, the shot put. Uh, I ended up with a throw, a best throw of 5.89 meters. And just for some context, the shot put that I throw is a circular object weighing in at four kilograms, and I was able to to throw at 5.89 meters. My personal best is just over six. So considering that I have not been able to compete during the pandemic, I was quite impressed with that as a, a uh, excuse me, as a final best throw for the competition. I also competed in the discus event. Uh, weather was definitely a factor there and another beautiful, beautiful afternoon out in the sunshine with a little bit of a breeze. I was able to end up with a throw of approximately 12 and a half meters uh, with a one kilogram discus, which sort of resembles a Frisbee, if, uh, if anyone's not familiar. Overall, it was a great meet. I ended up coming in second place, which meant earning a silver medal, which was very exciting. And uh, overall, just had a really, really great day. Had some family come down to observe and, and watch. Had uh, Brock and his lovely fiance come and check us out for a time. And it was, uh, it was a very nice day. Yes, it was. So here's how uh, my weekend came to be because I was supposed to go and do one thing last weekend and then that got rescheduled. So I thought, okay, let's go down to the Abilities Expo. And then uh, and then I realized that Josh had one of his events at 1.30 in the afternoon. So I said, all right, I'm going to go check it out. Not having any idea that Bocce at the time was in the same um, complex until one Josh Watson said to me, okay, um, we're just checking out the uh, bocce event. And so on my way, I'm thinking, all right, well, can't be, can't be too far if, if uh, that's, that's what he's doing because he's got another event in, you know, a couple of hours from the time we were chatting. And so we went and did the abilities expo. We saw Claire Buchanan, who was uh, part of the, that event for Parasport Ontario as well. So saw her for a little bit, went over there, watched Josh uh, compete. And then we went over to the bocce event. And I went over there and I, to the shock of some of my past teammates, they were looking at me like, what are you doing here? What's going on? And and so I <laughs> said, oh, I just popped by for a visit. No, no big deal. And then I drove home and I got upstairs and I received an email 
from Julian Von Miller, who is part of Ontario CP Sports. And she, she said, did I miss you at the event? That was uh, the subtitle of the email. And I opened the email and she wanted me to be a medal presenter. So I came back down again to, to be a medal presenter. And I got that opportunity. And it was so wonderful. There was about uh, 14 athletes in total at the bocce who were all relative uh, younger and uh, they were all competing. Great event, uh, great opportunity to do that. I think that the Ontario Parasport Games is one of the more uh, well-rounded um, events there is. And so congratulations to everybody over there for such a great event. Um, oh, and yeah, go ahead. Just a... Uh... A note as a spectator of the bocce event, I was very impressed with the level of competition, first of all, considering that they were young athletes, and also with the sight lines. I mean, they had three courts going, all within the same gymnasium setting. I was able to watch from one event to another to another, so I could see all three games that were going on, and uh, it was just as someone who doesn't get to see the sport of bocce that often, it was really, really interesting for me to be able to to sit and to watch and to learn more about it and see some of the strategy involved, even at that level. And uh, just to tie back into our interview with Nico for a moment, I was really, really happy to hear him say that he would like to see all events at the Ontario Parasport Games be covered by Parasport TV, because I know for me as a track and field athlete, it is almost impossible to see my events on any kind of broadcast. More often than not, when you're dealing with a mainstream media, what they will do is they will focus on what we can call some of the more sexy events. And so you'll see races on the track, or you'll see wheelchair basketball, or you'll see some of these other uh, sports, maybe goalball, but you won't necessarily see a bocce, or you won't necessarily see the field side of track and field. So a lot of people think when they think para track and field or para athletics, oh, I, I don't want to run around the track. That's boring or I'm too big for that or whatever the case may be. And they don't often realize that there's another side of it. There's a, a throws side of things, which you can do uh, if you're not a track person necessarily. Yeah, I agree 100%. Cameron, I'm interested to know, have you ever... Uh, competed at the Ontario Parasport Games or been a spectator? And just your thoughts on what you'd seen when either you were a spectator or a competitor. Yeah, definitely. I've uh, been a competitor. Um, also, I've watched it as well. But uh, for the most part, I have competed in it. And it's uh, quite like nothing else uh, that I've competed in um, as far as at a you know, at a certain level, I was never able to go to the national championships or, um, you know, anything like that. So uh, the Parasport Games, um, you know, they really put on a great show, um, whether it's the parade kind of coming in for the opening ceremonies, um, coming in as a team together, um, and then just the experience itself where, um, you know, in a lot of regional competitions, um, I would say that maybe some of the rules, uh, you know, um, dare I say, are a little bit more relaxed 
Um, but when you're at the Paris Sport Games, um, they're much more rigid, and it just feels, um, you know, like a really good competition. So, um, yeah, when I used to compete, I really enjoyed throwing at the Paris Sport Games, and uh, yeah, that's probably where I had some of my best throws too. Was uh, was at a competition like that. Yeah, and when it 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 feels more serious, more all inclusive. I always I agree with you, Cameron. I always thought that that event brought the best out of me, and I competed in my first one as a um, you know a competitive competitor in two thousand and eight, which I chatted about last week, but it was one of my favorite events to ever be a part of. So congratulations to Ontario Parasports for continuing to put on such great event. And I hear nothing but uh, positivity coming from that front overall. Uh, With that, we're going to take a break and we're going to talk a little bit about the Battle of Alberta. Plus, we're also going to dissect another first-round exit of the Toronto Maple Leafs. That will be a fascinating conversation. Stay tuned for those next on The Neutral Zone. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Neutral Zone here on AMI-audio. I'm your host, Brock Richardson, alongside Cam Jenkins and Josh Watson. And even as producer of this program, uh, sometimes you just never know what happens with conversations. And I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. I I had the uh, conversation uh, with Josh and I and Cameron and, and about the Paris sports connected to the Battle of Alberta. But then as I was looking at the time, I'm like, we will not be able to do any of this a good service so we kind of rolled with it and putting this all into one segment so let's start with the battle of alberta it is one game into their best of seven series this is the first time since uh these two teams have met since 1991 i will put out there that that was the year i was born so that was a good year (laughs) for for the two uh canadian teams (laughs) I have my opinions the only one that matters right now because I started the intro. So that's what I'm going with on that one. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, no, 1991 was a good year. Let's uh, start with what you guys think of this series. It was 9-6. to six. It was crazy. I was going to turn it off multiple times. Cameron, what say you on this series? No, I didn't know that they were playing uh, football and uh, not hockey, first of all. <laughs> no, uh, second of all, um, they say that it's so much tougher in the playoffs to score, that it's so much about the defense that, you know, players are on other players and, like, space is taken away, and then you get a 9-6 game. And, like, you knew it was going to be absolutely nuts when Calgary Flames, they scored two times in the first 51 seconds. So you knew that it was going to be a barn burner of a game. And then, like, going all the way to the third period, Edmonton Oilers, in the third period, when you're supposed to lock things down, they scored four flipping goals. Are you kidding me? 
Like, this is like, if this series is going to be like this, for people that love offense, this is going to be a fantastic series. But I don't see either goalie letting in this many goals again. And I don't see the defenses, you know, being this horrible. If, if I was to pick one team that I think is going to be, um, you know, have the worst goalie or the worst defense, it's going to be Edmonton, I would think. Because they have Mike Smith in there, and he's older, and he had a much better regular season um, the second half, maybe not necessarily the first half. But, um, yeah, I just see Edmonton at the end of the day uh, losing this series. But, man, oh, man, if you love goals, then it might be a great series to watch. But you got to think they're going to play defense at some point in time. I loved that game, although, full disclosure, I did record it and only watched part of it uh, as it happened. I watched most of it the next morning uh, before work, and I just, I, I was floored. I will be really curious to see what, if any, changes are made going into game two. I am wondering whether Mike Smith does get the goal back or whether they go with Miko Koskinen going forward. Uh, I think you've ridden Mike Smith long enough now that you have to put him back in there. But at the same time, I can tell you that neither Daryl Sutter nor Jay Woodcroft is going to be impressed with a 9-6 game. No coach wants to see that kind of lack of defense in uh, in a hockey game, even though I do recall one Mr. Richardson telling me while he was watching the game that it was the most exciting game he'd watched. So we will uh, we'll see what he has to say here in a second. Oh, I have yeah. a question. Who's Mr. Richardson? Oh, you know, that producer guy over there. Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> The, the one that made the comment about, you know, 1991 being a good year, and you both <laughs> laughed at me hysterically live on my audio. That, oh that guy, yeah. Um, I guess we should give you a little bit of respect, but Mr. Richardson, that might be a little bit too much respect. But anyways, I digress. All right, that's <laughs> fair. Well, I'll just give you my thoughts either way. Um, first of all, I stand by what I said in that this was the greatest hockey game that I have ever seen. Um, secondly, I am afraid of what we're going to see in game two. We saw an outbreaking of, you know, so many goals on both sides. And I just wonder, are both teams just going to muddle it up where like nobody gets anywhere and it's going to be like a one, two to one game on one side or the other. I would give the net to Koskinen. I don't uh, believe in Mike Smith whatsoever. I've made that very clear on this program. When you let in the first goal on the first shot of the game and then subsequently the second goal not too far after that within total of 51 seconds, you're not, you don't have it. And to me, you got to ride out the other goalie, Koskinen, and just say, Let's see what, what we're going to do here. I think that's the best approach if you are uh, Edmonton, but I'm worried very much that this is going to be a junk-it-up game too, and we'll see. But, uh, yeah, before we move on... 
Yeah. I was going to say, Brock, though, like we're kind of, you know, riding Smith here saying whether or not he's going to start or not. But you got to remember Markstrom, he let in a lot of goals, too. And we're not even talking about whether or not he's going to get mm-hmm. the next game or if he should get the next game. Yeah, but let me ask you this question. Who has the W beside the name and who doesn't? Oh, absolutely. That's, but you're still letting that, that many goals. Yeah, but yeah, not that's as true. Many. I just... I think Miko Koskinen is a better backup goalie than Dan Vladar, to be honest. I think that's why you're not having that discussion. Uh, That might be it. Ultimately, guys, who do you think wins the series, Cameron? Um, Well, I I believe in Markstrom at the end of the day because he had a really good uh, season. So I think he's going to bounce back, and I think he's going to, you know, Calgary Flames are going to win the series. Edmonton is impressing me with how they've turned things around since Jay Woodcroft came in, but I just think that Calgary between their goaltending, their overall team makeup and their coaching is the better team in this series. I think they might get more of a ride for their, um, excuse excuse me, more of a run for their money than they thought they were going to get, but I do think Calgary pulls it out in the end. Yeah, I I think, Calgary pulls it out in the end as well. For one thing, uh, Connor McDavid has to be able to do Connor McDavid things, and I don't see uh, great protection of Connor McDavid. I see Connor McDavid getting pushed. I see Connor McDavid getting slashed. I need to see a little bit more toughness in regards to Connor McDavid. That guy is your star player, so you need to protect him because if he gets injured, you're you're cooked in this series so uh, that's what i'm looking for moving forward well we got about five minutes gentlemen and i'm not sure five minutes is enough time to talk about the toronto maple leafs but let's give it a whirl the toronto maple leafs get eliminated yet again in the first round for the fifth straight season under this regime, regime, and uh, Brendan Shanahan says we are not going to make any irrational changes to the organization, basically saying we're going to run it back status quo. Uh, what say you on this, Cameron? Well, as far as the game itself, um, you know, it was very even. It came down to one goal, and it came down to a player on the Lightning side, Paul, and he ended up scoring two goals, and that was the first two points and first two playoff points that he's ever had. Um, you know, so I, I think that the series itself came down to Tavares's line, and, you know, he didn't uh, have uh, the puck possession. I think it was just a smidge over 40% of the time. Um, and they're going to have to think about moving Tavares to the wing come uh, next year, I think, and kind of looking at it from there because it's, you know, I'm not as heartbroken as I was last year because it was against Montreal and Montreal was not a good team, but yet they still beat the Leafs and they were still, the Leafs were just so good, but it's just so unfortunate that their best 115 points, their 54 wins, 60 goals from Austin, second in the Atlantic, Marner having 97 points, all that means absolutely nothing because they didn't get past the first round. There is no way, in my opinion, you can run this back status quo. Yes, 
we had a great season. Yes, all these records were sent, were, 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 were made, and all of this was set and all that. You have not been able to prove yourself in May. You need to make a change of a Mitch Marner, a William Nylander. Do I love those words coming out of my mouth? No, I don't. But there has to be a change somewhere. And if management's going to stay where they are, there's got to be a change in player personnel, Josh. Do you agree, disagree? I agree to a point. If the players are not going to change, then their attitudes and their effort level need to. I felt like a lot of the time we saw a lack of either effort or discipline from this team during that series against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is very good at figuring out how to exploit you and to draw you into penalties. And I think we saw that over and over. In one game, we saw them go down to a five-on-three because they weren't disciplined with their sticks. The lack of discipline kills me, and that, in my opinion, is on the head coach. I don't know what you do with this team. I really don't. That's totally fair. Cameron, any closing closing thoughts? Well, I think the penalties are a little bit blown out of proportion. Um, yes, the Leafs took some bad penalties to go five on three, but I'm pretty sure that the penalties overall, um, they were pretty well even. It's just that the Leafs having the f- number one power play in the regular season ended up being one of the worst in the playoffs. So, you know, and... I, I really just kind of disagree with that at the end of the day. And I, I really don't know who you're going to trade uh, to make the team better. I think you got to run it back. Listen, as a team, you had, you had the chance to put the Tampa Bay lightning to bed and you were up in game six and you took two ridiculous penalties in that game to ultimately end up tying it. And then, they subsequently scored in overtime. Not on a power play, of course, but they still scored in overtime. In my opinion, you cannot run this back the same way. We have heard this story time and time again. We're close. We're here. We're this. We're that. I am done hearing this. I need to see action. Do I want to see player personnel get dealt? No. But if we're going to be stuck with this same management, Something has got to give in Toronto to see this get put to bed and they advance to the second round. That is the end of our show for this week. I would like to thank Josh Watson, Cam Jenkins. I'd also like to thank our technical producer, Sam Robinson. Our technical supervisor is Paula Deneen and our manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. Tune in next week because you just never know what happens when you enter the neutral zone. Have a great long weekend and we'll talk to you next week. Be well and be safe.